0: What is the best and worst part of being a pediatric surgeon? And what obstacles do female surgeons face in a still male-dominated field? That and more in today's episode of Essential Partners. I'm delighted today to have with us Dr. Mary Beth Brown, who is the Vice Chair of the Department of Surgery as well as Chief of the Division of Pediatric Surgical Specialties. Welcome, Mary Beth.
1: Thank you very much. Glad to be here.
0: So I sort of know the answer to some of these questions, but our listeners clearly don't. Mm-hmm. Let's start off with what drew you to Lehigh Valley Health Network and to Allentown?
1: So, I, you know, as you said, you know the answer. I've, been, I've told this story a lot, but uh, I did grow up here in Allentown. I grew up actually very close to the main hospital. When I was growing up, it was just the, the pool part of the hospital. And I went to St. Thomas More, went to Salisbury High School, went to Lafayette College. So I was in the area for a really long time until I went down to Philly for medical school and then escaped to Chicago for a long time. And always uh, thought I'd go, come back to the Northeast, but um, after training out in Chicago for a long time, I thought it was going to be five years. But unfortunately, I fell in love with pediatric surgery. And so that, uh, that, uh, that visit to Chicago lasted much longer than that. And so I trained in Chicago and was there, decided to stay there at Lori Children's for another five years. And I thought, to be honest with you, I thought I'd be a lifer out there. But then, um, you know, things change in your life. And I had children, which always changes your life. And uh, me and my husband decided that we really didn't want to raise our kids in the city. So it came up to either we were going to move to the suburbs or we were gonna move outside of the Chicagoland area. And at the same time, uh, my mother became sick and developed Alzheimer's. And to me, it was really important to be close to her when I wasn't sure how much longer she would have. And so I decided to look closer, and I wanted to be in driving distance to my mom so I could see her more often and help with her care. And so um, I decided to start interviewing out here, and I have reached out to you, thankfully. And it was actually it um, was perfect timing because the pediatric surgeon that was here decided to pursue other other job opportunities out in Colorado, so the job became open. And I will say, I think. Um, You know, it became down to another children's hospital in here. And one of the things that I loved about the network was when I toured with Dr. Pasquale, I felt like he knew everybody that we passed. And he was like the mayor of the town, and everybody loved him. And I felt like there was a true community that I was not seeing at the other place that I was interviewing. And I knew that this was um, possibly maybe a smaller children's hospital, but I really felt like the network was going to be supportive and was ready to develop that children's hospital. So unfortunately, my mother um, did pass this past December, but I never regret coming home and being close to her. It's also never regret because of everything that's happened with the children's hospital, so.
0: Our condolences, of course, on the you. loss of your mom. Thank you. Along the way, whether it's Lafayette or, or uh, Drexel or, or in Chicago for a residency or fellowship, who's been the biggest influence in your life?
1: So the theme of this is going to be my mom, unfortunately, <laughs> I guess, um, or fortunately. My mother was a tremendous person. I mean, you know, obviously both my parents were, and my family is, and you meet a lot of people along the way who really influence you. But um, my mom was, she went to law school in the 50s when no other women really did. Um, there was only two other women in her class. She passed the New York bar and the Pennsylvania bar when most women weren't. She sacrificed her career and everything to raise seven children, five of them being boys. And then when I, I'm the youngest, so when I was in grade school, probably around uh, fifth or sixth grade, she decided to go back to work. And so she went back and passed the Pennsylvania Bar at that time, being out of, um, not working for 25 years, went back to work. And she always said to me, she was always like, always have a career that you can have of your own. And... She never made me feel like going to medical school was impossible, Um, being a surgeon was impossible. She really was just like, what you want to do, you should do. And if you want to have a family, you can have it no matter what you do. And um, she is an amazing person. And hopefully, I think uh, she would definitely be proud of where I am now. I think I hope I can be half the mother she was. Um... But I think my drive definitely comes from her.
0: Excellent. So was it in your general surgery residency that you crystallized the idea of doing a fellowship in pediatric surgery? And was it a specific pediatric surgeon that motivated you toward that?
1: I actually went to Northwestern thinking I was going to be a surgical oncologist. And that's why I picked Northwestern. And so my first rotation was on surgical oncology. and. I loved it, but man, it was with the big pancreatic surgeon who um, is an amazing mentor and a wonderful person, but the people were so sick. Listen, that's the reality of surgical oncology, and I think that it I knew I didn't want to do it after that. It's amazing how one rotation can really convince you so I didn't do pediatrics until my second year and didn't even think about it, but once I got there, I knew. And it was the attendings at um, Children's that really convinced me. It was really Marlita Reynolds that was a huge mentor to me. I mean, she was an amazing She is an amazing surgeon. She's strong. She has a family. Um, and I loved the fact that um, it kind of had a combination of everything.
0: So you may have already answered the next question What's the best and the worst? part of the field of pediatric surgery?
1: (laughs) So I would say the best part of pediatric surgery is the fact that you literally can um, operate from head to toe in one day. You also can operate on a 600-grammer and a 300-pounder in one day. And so doing true general surgery in kids is amazing. Operating on um, healthy kids that have certain acute diseases is amazing because you really feel like you can fix them. The worst part, um, the training's hard. I mean, it's hard for a lot of things, but it is, um, it's long. And I think, um, it's, you know, I did at least seven years of general surgery. Then you do the two years after that. And some people still don't match. And so it's a hard grueling field that way. Um, also there's not many of us. So if you want to have a true practice where you do everything, you're not going to have 10 partners, right? You're going to have three or four. And when you have three or four, you take a lot of call. So it's this, the acuity is still there. So in pedi- one of the things that's different about pediatric surgery compared to um, pediatric ENT or urology is still a lot of emergency So um, 50% of my practice is main OR emergency stuff. That's very different than a lot of the subspecialties. And because of that, there's a lot of unpredictability in my day. But I think come that unpredictability, you do a case that you're like, wow, I really helped this child. And then it swings back to the best part again, right? So the worst helps with the best, I guess.
0: You're obviously extraordinarily accomplished, but what will you consider to be your greatest achievement?
1: That's an interesting question. It's funny. It was asked to me by um, a high school student, probably about a year ago. I was interviewed by one of the Southern Lehigh students, and I think she didn't really appreciate my answer um, because I do think it's going to it's going to change with each decade, right? So when you go through high school, you think your biggest achievement is. You know, when I scored a thousand points in basketball, right? That was my biggest achievement. Then you go to college and you graduate and, and then you go to med school. And graduating medical school, I remember being at the ceremony and being emotional. And I remember I almost couldn't take the oath because I was emotional about it, right? So then you think that's your biggest achievement. So then you also, you match and that's a great achievement. And then you become a pediatric surgeon and you're like, that has to be it. But then I had my kids, and so I will say, when I told this high school student that my biggest achievement, here she was interviewing me about pediatric surgery, and I was like, my biggest achievement is when I had my twins, I think she was like, really? And I was like, i th- you just don't get it. I mean, I was 40 when I had my children. I didn't know if I would be able to have them. Um, obviously, any woman who has children at their 40s, it's always a question, right? Um mm-hmm. And they were healthy, and they were full-term, and um, so all of this stuff is um, just for what we do is a miracle, right? You have a 40-year-old woman having full-term twins. That is a miracle in itself. And I think every day you just don't know what's going to happen, and so your heart is on your sleeve, and you hope you're doing your best, and you hope that they will make this world a better place just like your parents want you to be. And so in this decade of my life, I would definitely say my children are my greatest achievement.
0: So when you say you just don't know, I'm reminded somewhat whimsically of the great late Robin Williams Mm -hmm. in a bit from years ago called Live at the Met where he reflected upon his first child. And he said, you have this one vision where he's standing at a podium saying, I would like to thank the Nobel Academy. And then... Not long after, you have this other vision where he's behind a counter saying, would you like fries with that?" (laughs) And you never know how it's going to turn out along the way.
1: And either way, you love them, right? (laughs) It's so nuts, but they do take the best out of you.
0: So having two young twins and working as hard as you do, I don't know that you have much other time to do anything other than periodically catch a few winks. But what do you do to bring joy to your life?
1: So I will say, you know, obviously the candid answer is always, well, I spend more time with my family. And listen, I think at some point as a mother, you, you have to do something else um, besides just being with my kids. Not, and I do think, like you said, it's hard because um, you already have the constant mommy guilt of not being home so much. So I, I do really take um, wellness seriously I do constantly evaluate um, and make sure that I'm happy with what I'm doing every day. There are little things that make me happy, and they are silly, and my partners know them. But it is if I'm I'm struggling and I just need a couple – I need a break – um, we always say that we're having a Whole Foods visit, and I will go to Whole Foods, and for some reason, it is walking through those doors. I'm like, wow, this is so nice, and I'm just there five minutes, or I'll go food shopping by myself and not have my kids with me, and it it brings joy. Going to Barnes and Noble, picking out a book from I, you know, I will say I'm not a true academic. I, I pick out the books based on you know the cover and what I think those stories going to be about, but I really enjoy reading. And I watch a lot of Hallmark Channel, unfortunately. I think Hallmark is like people laugh and they're like, how can you watch that? But you know what? It's that um, predictability that is really nice because my life is so unpredictable that I want to be able to watch a show that the first five minutes, I know exactly what's going to happen the last five minutes. And then I don't really have to watch it. But, um, you know, obviously everybody likes to, you like to exercise, it never happens enough. I do like to cook, and that's where Whole Foods comes in. Um, so I there's not one thing in my life that I think I really just go to, but um, I do every day I'm kind of like, all right, what do I need to do today to make sure I'm okay for tomorrow?
0: So maybe it's because we share pediatric surgery blood. I, I love Whole Foods. <laughs> I, I love Barnes & Noble. Hallmark... <laughs> We can, we can talk.
1: Well, I will say other people make fun of my obsession with L.L. Bean, but I didn't, didn't necessarily want to bring that up. I'm not a true outdoorsman, but they have good gear there. so.
0: Excellent. We'll be right back after these important words from Lehigh Valley Health Network. Smith and Watson worldwide. What do you think? Has a nice ring to it, right?
1: Not bad. Not bad. But check this out. Watson and Smith worldwide. See what I did there? Hm. Yeah. Uh, future business partners.
0: Ready? <coughs> Ready? Yep. Go get it, boy. That's a good boy.
1: Loyal partners.
0: Ah, this is the ticket. Oh, it is, is it? Beautiful night. Got my best girl with me. Although, you know what could make it even better? Let me guess some mint chocolate chip. Bingo
1: partners since the beginning. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Whether you need serious clinical care, a routine exam, or tips on how to live a fuller, happier life, one of the best health networks in the country is never more than a short drive away. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org.
0: Welcome back to this episode of Essential Partners, where we're conversing with Dr. Mary Beth Brown, Chief of the Division of Pediatric Surgical Specialties and Vice Chair of the Department of Surgery at Lehigh Valley Health Network. Mary Beth, while you were still in Chicago, you invested a significant amount of time to gain a master's degree in quality and patient safety from Northwestern. I guess it wasn't sufficient to have a bachelor's and MD, <laughs> general surgical certification, and pediatric surgical certification. Tell us what motivated you toward that, and are you happy that you did it?
1: So I will say the actual thought of getting a master's was from Marlena Reynolds. I think she knew that I was starting to get interested. She knew I was very interested in Nesquip, which is the National Surgical Quality Improvement Project from the American College of Surgeons. She knew I was very interested in quality. She saw that I was starting to get involved in quality improvement projects. And so she – the master's program was fairly new. I think I was in the fifth class. She actually got something in the mail and put it on my desk and was like, if you want to do something extra – you're going to have to get your master's and you should think about this. She knew that I liked doing quality improvement in patient safety and not stats, big database um, projects. That just wasn't, that's just not me. I'm more of a um, kind of grassroots person. I like being in those meetings where you say what the problem is and how you're going to fix them. I don't necessarily like being the, re- just report out to me what how the process went. Thankfully, that um, position I was in was able to support me doing that. So I still had to do all of my clinical work, but monetarily they were gonna help me achieve that, which was huge. It was by far one of the best things I ever did. It's really geared towards adult students, and we all had our own experiences, and we were all able to kind of talk and work on projects together. I really think it gave me the background to even talk about quality improvement. Now, I will say, still to the meat of me is the grassroots quality improvement. And we do that now with appendectomy. Why do we have so many infections? Why, how can we improve this? And just by learning some of those techniques and the verbiage, we've been able to work on stuff and make improvements. I'm happy that I can still do some of that now. And I think I probably ended up in the position I'm at because of that master's.
0: So earlier, you warmly spoke of your mom with great admiration and uh, and told us how she was an inspiration for you. You're from a large family, as mm-hmm. you said, five brothers mm-hmm. and uh, a sister. Mm-hmm. And some of us know that you have at least a couple of famous sibs. Of course, mm-hmm. Senator Pat Brown, who's yeah. integral to the building we're recording this in right now at yeah. One City Center and the whole redevelopment of downtown Allentown. And not too shabby either, is internationally renowned designer Tom Brown, many of whose fashions I have seen you model
1: yeah, that's with fair.
0: flair. So how do you think being in that large family with what sounds like, considering you too, a bunch of overachievers, has influenced your life?
1: That's the funny thing in my family. People would think, oh, a pediatric surgeon, You must be your parents must be so proud. And I was like, I'm just one of the seven. Like... My parents were big proponents of all of us doing our own thing but being successful in it. I mean, the fact that you have a, you know, a state senator— a fashion designer. My brother Jim owns four car dealerships down in Tampa. My brother Mike is um, an investment banker in New York. You know, my brother Chris works down with my brother Jim. He's one of the financial officers for his company. Like we all do such different things. My sister is one of the most, like she, you know, she decided to stay home with her children, but she is, you know, most wonderful mother. And man, she is an amazing work ethic. We're very competitive, not necessarily with each other, but very competitive. And so my parents never said, you should do this because he's doing that. They wanted us to have that internal competitiveness, which ultimately helped us all achieve what we really wanted to achieve.
0: So the field of surgery in general, not just pediatric surgery historically was very Mm male-dominated. Pediatric surgery, fortunately, for many years has had a good number of female colleagues for us to interact with. But there are still instances today where women surgeons of childbearing age are told that they just can't have children and be a mom and be a dedicated surgeon. If one of our fledgling surgeons in our residency came to you and said that Dr. So-and-so had instructed her in that way, what would be your response?
1: I would say, obviously, it's not true since I have children, but it is hard. You know, when I went through residency, I think we had um, none of our female— we had very few female attendings, but none of them had children. I think Marlita Reynolds was the first woman surgeon I met that had kids. There's no perfect time to have children— during residency is extremely difficult, but waiting until you're much older after residency is also difficult. Ultimately, I always tell people you can you can have the family. You're not going to be the one at every kid's birthday party or Christmas party at school and you're going to miss a lot, but it doesn't mean you can't be a great mom. And there's a lot of women out there that have children and it's not just surgeons that have difficulties. And you need to meet those moms that are going to help you be supportive with your family and understand you. Um, And it's surrounding yourself with help. I have an extremely supportive husband who also works but is supportive. I have a wonderful nanny. I have great family and friends. If you think that you can be a mom and not make compromises when you are a surgeon, it's not going to work and you're going to be miserable. It is finding... Um, that your own balance. um, And, you know, people also question, oh, can you have everything? And I think you can. It's just not going to all happen at once.
0: So that wonderful husband you just alluded to is, of (laughs) course, another one of our colleagues, emergency medicine physician, Dr. Brian Wallace. And we were thrilled to get you here, but we were even more thrilled that it was a twofer. Yeah. And uh, you and he have adopted a plant-based lifestyle for two years now what what made you and brian adopt that lifestyle
1: i appreciate it more than brian does but since i do a lot of the cooking he he uh, he had to adopt it unfortunately i think being older parents i really want to be here when they have kids and when they graduate college and they have kids and they have a career and it's sad to say but i think um that kind of focuses myself on the on my health and I just felt like I, was, I wasn't i was eating great, I was working too much, and I wasn't taking care of myself. And so by adopting the plant-based diet and going towards more of the vegan diet, it really has helped me. I'm hoping that I can, you know, some people don't want to live until they're 100. I do. <laughs> so I'm hoping that this will help. Obviously, we cheat. Um But I think we try to do the 80-20 rule where we really kind of, and I will say, I feel so much more healthy than I ever did before. It really has helped.
0: Great. So you'll be preparing the Thanksgiving tofu?
1: (laughs) That's when we cheat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the final question for each of our essential partners, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: I really hope that he feels like I, I achieved what I was supposed to here. I think everybody's here for a purpose. You need to find your own purpose. I don't consider myself very religious, but I do believe that there is someone out there kind of watching. Um, and I do think we're all here for a reason. And it shouldn't just be selfish reasons. And I really feel like right now I'm here, you know, to help take care of kids. Not only to raise my children, but really to help take care of the kids of this region. And I think, ultimately, I was lucky to grow up in this area. And if I can help take care of some of these kids so that they can stay close to home and not have to drive hours and be away from their family when they're sick, then I'm achieving what I'm here for. And hopefully he appreciates that.
0: I'm sure when you meet God that she will say, well,
1: no. <laughs> She will.
0: <laughs> I'd like to thank Dr. Mary Beth Brown for being on this episode, and I hope you will listen next time on Essential Partners.